The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, hey, good morning. How are you? All right, if you've got Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in one of the great chairs underneath on the basket. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, why don't you take that one with you? That's our gift to you. Uh, We believe faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, and so that is very precious uh, material. Hey, my name's Eric. I'm the lead teaching pastor here, uh, and so I'm a little amped up because I've had the last couple weeks off, uh, but uh, it's Baptism Sunday. Who's ready for that? All right, I mean, that gets everybody fired up, right? And so in, in Matthew 28, Jesus, after uh, uh, dying on the cross, being buried in the tomb, raising after three days, comes to his disciples, and he, he, he says something pretty important, uh, which we see as the Great Commission. But let me just tell you, anyone who raises from the dead, whatever he has to say, you want to listen to him, Amen. All right, and so he comes to his disciples, and he says, hey, I want you to go unto all nations, And I want you to make disciples. He didn't say build churches. He didn't say start programs. He says, I want you to make disciples. And when you make disciples, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to obey and observe everything that I've told you. But here's the good news. Surely I'm going to be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so listen, that's what we're doing here is filling what Jesus told us to do is to go and make disciples and baptize people and begin to teach them and watch them observe what Christ is. That's what it's all about, baptism. Ultimately, it's about the grace of God. Everyone say the grace of God. You know, some people, when they say the grace of God, they talk about the grace of God. You know, we say, oh, nothing but the grace of God. But sometimes we, we don't really grasp or understand what the grace of God ultimately is. When we talk about the grace of God here, what we mean is that what Jesus did for us, we don't earn. You with me on that? What Jesus has done for us, we don't earn. The grace of God is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God that comes to us by grace, which means, listen, there is nothing you can do. And there is nothing that you have done to somehow earn your right standing before God. Nothing. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't come forward and begin to boast in your spiritual resume or some checklist that you've done. There is nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you do that makes you right before a holy God. You don't earn grace, but grace is the great invitation that is offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is to be received by faith. And so for some of you, do you remember like when you came to faith, when that light kind of went on within your soul? When you're like, okay, okay, if there's nothing that I can do, if there's nothing that I've done and I can't earn this favor with God, what happens in your soul in that moment, knowing that you're separated from God, is you cry out and say, you know what, I need a savior. I need a mediator. I need a righteousness that comes outside of myself. And then Jesus shows you his love and his grace, and you receive it. Some of you, when you came to faith, it was followed by baptism. 
And it was like in that moment for you, it was like God was washing religion off of you. You know what I mean by that? It's, it's, like, it's like you were born in the church, like you were raised in the church, like you went to every Sunday school class, you went through, you know, the Awanas program, and you grew up from the, I mean, like, like you came out in the church, your first word was Jesus, you got all these badges to prove it, right, and you grew up in this works-based righteousness, and then what happened is grace. And you realize that without a Savior, without Christ, you can't earn what God is freely giving. And grace, it kind of wrecked you. And so when you came forward to be baptized, it was like like all of these works were being washed off. Like for some of you, you, if you grew up in in church or religion, all you heard was, was, was heaven or hell. I mean, that was it. It's like, you do everything right or you're going to hell. Anyone ever hear that? Like, that was, the, that was the standard. Perfection or hell. And so what happens is when you continually, over and over again, miss the mark, either you hide and pretend or you walk away from the whole thing. Because you can't handle that. And so what happens is you just, you lived under fear until you encountered Grace. The love of Christ, the grace of God, and you were cleansed from this like performance and religion. Anyone have that type of testimony? Yeah. And yet others of you, you're maybe more like me, where you're just downright scoundrels. <laughs> and, and you know it. And, and there was a moment in my life where, where I, listen, I was just simply indifferent to the whole thing, believe it or not. I mean, I was indifferent, meaning I could care less about God. I could care less about church. I could care less about Christ. All I wanted was what I wanted in my life. And as long as I'm getting those things, then I'm fine. I don't need God. The whole thing, I was indifferent. But then what happened was grace. Like, I remember I was there minding my own business, right? And I talked to God for the first time because things were falling apart. And what happened was grace said, hey, I love you despite of you. Like, I love you despite the fact that you are not looking, asking, wanting me at all. And so grace penetrated my heart so deeply, it was like I came awake for the very first time. And when I came to faith in Jesus, when people come to faith in Jesus, listen, you, you, you go all in. It, it's, like, it's like I was broken, but believing. You with me on that? Like, that's good. Everyone say, broken, but believing. Yeah, I was, I was, a, I was a mess, man. I mean, I was, a, I, was a, I was a train wreck. Like, I was a mess. I was broken but believing. And so I realized that it's only by believing, only by trusting by faith, could I be made whole. And so now, no matter your story, I believe every one of us have walked in here understanding a few things that the Bible says that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short, that we've all missed the mark. That none of us within ourselves are, are completely perfect and righteous. And, and that we understand that, that the wages of sin is brokenness. It, it's sh- sin, it's shame, it's grief, it's guilt, it's death. 
And so the Bible tells us that in our sin, in our unrighteousness, as we miss the mark, we're separated from God. And so, so maybe you've heard this before, that sin leads to death. And you're sitting there saying, yeah, Eric, I know that. But so many people miss the next part, like the good part, because the Bible says that the free gift of God. How many of you like free gifts? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't care how rich you are. Everyone likes free gifts. Right? I, I want to forget. So listen, it says the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's Romans 6, 23. You will never know what we call the amazing grace of Jesus Christ if you're always trying to earn what is already freely given. If you're already, always trying to, to buckle down or pull yourself up by your bootstraps instead of leaning upon the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. We say this all the time here, Jesus in my place. That's what it is. It's Jesus in my place. And so today, I want to give every one of you an opportunity to experience grace, to receive grace. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to walk in and I'll pray a prayer. I'm not asking you to ticket out of, hell, out of hell. I'm saying, listen, experience grace. Experience the grace of God. God is inviting. God is encouraging. God is wooing. God is pulling on some of your hearts. And listen, this is an invitation to life. It really is. You'll hear testimony after testimony how, hey, I was dead, but I came to life. Like, I can't explain that supernaturally, but, but it was like I was blind, but now I, I see. And, and so because, because here's, here's the promise, and listen, I want you to hear this very clearly. Not one of us is born neutral. Eric, what do you mean by that? There's not one person who's just simply born neutral, and then you go through your life, and then, and then in the end, all your thoughts and all your deeds are going to be put on a scale. Like, you, you're brought in this world, and you're just simply neutral, and if you do right, you get promoted. If you do wrong, you get demoted. You know what I'm talking about? You're not born neutral. It's not if you do good, you get a step up, and if you do bad, you get a step down. It's not a scale system. You're not born neutral because the Bible is clear that we are by our nature, by our birth, dead. We are, we are by our nature objects of God's wrath, which means he's not waiting around to see if you're condemned or not because if we're just waiting around to see if we do good enough or act good enough, then Jesus didn't have to come and die. He would just say, work it out. Do better, try harder. We're not born neutral. Jesus says in John 3.18 that we're all condemned already. Look at it. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, which is why grace is so amazing. Are you with me on that? So, so it's not rather what we do or what we don't do, but rather what we received or what we've rejected. Have you received the grace of Jesus Christ by faith for you personally? Have you by faith received Jesus in your place? Or are you still trying to white knuckle this thing? Because you'll never make it. Not one of us deserves heaven. There's no one... In hell that doesn't deserve to be there, and there's no one in heaven that does. 
except for Christ. We don't deserve it. It's a gift that's freely offered by Jesus Christ. And some of you, you come in this morning, and maybe you've come in for the first time, and you're like, man, I was just interested in maybe doing some church, you know, singing some songs, right? Go through my Sunday routine. But, but listen, some of you, some of you, 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 you can't go another day. Like some of you, if you're honest, and I know this is church, and you may not think this is a place to be honest, but if you were honest, you would say, you know what, I can't go another day. I can't go another week. I can't continue to perform and face the same dead-end results another moment coming in and leaving the exact same way I walked in here. I can't take it anymore. And listen, I'm telling you, God wants to invite you to life today. God wants you to receive his grace today because, listen, the Bible tells us that God is wooing you in. Listen, Proverbs 4, 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. And so I want to talk about why we do baptism. What is this thing all about? Why we do this? This is is what it says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get Wisdom. Look at your neighbor and say, get some wisdom. There you go. Therefore, get wisdom. And listen to this. It says, with all thy getting, get understanding. Say, get understanding. That's what we need. That's what the church needs. We need an understanding because so many people are in churches today not knowing why we do what we do. Someone says, do it. I guess I'll do it. Why do we do this? Why do we go here? Listen, why? In all thy getting, get a what? Get an understanding, right? Get an understanding. And so we want to help you with understanding. Listen, if we don't have an understanding, there's two major problems. The first problem is that we can't give our understanding to anyone else if we don't understand. And Jesus says, go and make disciples and teach them to observe all that I've commanded. But I don't understand it, so how can I teach them? That's a huge problem in the church, is it not? And so I want you to get an understanding. Say, get an understanding. There you go. The second problem when we don't have an understanding is that we could be led astray. We could be led astray by just thinking, oh, well, I guess so-and-so told me to do that, so I guess I should do it. John 8, 31, it says, when you have the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. So we need truth. We need understanding. When we get understanding, what happens? It removes our fears. It removes our insecurities. It removes our doubts. And it sets you free to truly live and trust God. I believe that God is already moving. I believe that God is already inviting many of you to come today and be baptized. And some of you are like, I didn't come in here to be baptized. Oh, well, God has a different plan. Listen, I believe that God is already doing that. Listen, and some of you are thinking, come on, Eric. Um, you know, I, I've, already, I've already been there. I mean, I was two years old. I remember. I saw the pictures. Mama showed me. Right? I was two years old. Right? They put me in this little white gown. They put some water over my head. Right? There are people that were gathered around. Auntie and Poppy, they came in from out of town. We had lunch afterwards. It was a really big deal for everyone. Everyone but you. Because there was no understanding. Because someone came and told you, hey, this is what you need to do to make sure so-and-so goes to heaven. But here's the problem with that. That's nowhere in the Bible. I mean, it's nowhere in the scriptures, so I don't understand where that comes from. We just need an understanding. We need to understand why and how this thing works. Because in all thy getting, get a what? 
Say understanding. Okay, you're with me now. Now, some of you, some of you, you've walked in here, and, and listen, I want to tell you, baptism is an outward action of an internal belief. Let me say that again. Baptism is an outward action of an internal belief. Baptism is the action that identifies you with the person and the work of Jesus Christ for you. You with me on that? It is an action based on the belief. I remember uh, hearing this uh, story about a great NFL running back, Marshawn Lynch. Anyone know Marshawn Lynch? Any, okay, okay. Yeah, he's, he's a beast. And so I, I'm not a huge uh, uh, Seahawks fan, but at the time, Marshawn was playing for the Seattle Seahawks. And, uh, and, and, and everyone said, yeah, this guy is a, is, a, is a beast on the field, but he doesn't like to talk. I think he plays for the Raiders now. Is that right? I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just remember... It was, it was 2014, and this guy, he's a beast on the field, but he doesn't like to talk. And so every time he would go to an interview, he would just kind of be quiet. But, but in this particular interview, uh, they had all, uh, several players come up on the podium. You know, like the, the post-game interviews where all the team come like, there's four or five players up there. And, and, and the interviewers, the, the, the news guys, they start asking all these questions. And, and Marshawn Lynch, he just basically doesn't answer any of them. He doesn't, he doesn't talk at all. And after about, about four or five questions of the team interview, he just gets up and he walks out. But then Deion Sanders, who's over to the side, uh, Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl, primetime, Deion Sanders standing there, okay? Deion Sanders comes to Marshawn and he asks, he says, hey, Marshawn, it doesn't seem like you like to talk so much. And Marshawn, he had a one-sentence response. Listen to this. He looks at him and he says, yeah, I'm just about that action. I'm just about that action. That's what he says. Okay, let me translate. I'm just about that action. Everyone say that. Say, I'm about that action. Some of you are like, I'd never say that in church. <laughs> Listen, I don't care how long you've been a self-proclaimed believer. If you're not about that action, you're not following Jesus. You're just talking about it. You're just talking about it. Once you understand what Christ has done for you, and you understand the grace of God that has given to you unto salvation, baptism, it becomes an action of obedience. It is an outward declaration of an inward faith. And some of you are like, oh, well, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my perfecter. Jesus is my ever. Jesus is my homeboy. Listen, if he's all that, then be about that action. If he really is truly your Savior, then, then come forward and say, listen, I'm declaring, I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. Look in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, there was a man named John, and John was out in the wilderness telling everybody, time to be about that action. That's what he's talking about here. And so Jesus was kind of, I mean, John was kind of the first evangelist, and he would go around and he would open challenge, openly challenge people to say, hey, come be about that action. And, and so 700 years earlier, there was a prophet named Isaiah, and he said, hey, listen, there is one coming. There is one coming out of the wilderness, and he's going to be proclaiming, pro, pro, prepare 
the way of the Lord. And so in, in Matthew chapter 3, John shows up. Listen to this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So listen, John shows up and he goes to these, um, these riversides. He goes to these places that are, that are kind of crowded uh, with people going to the river, whether they're, they're getting water or they're washing clothes or they're washing dishes or, or some of them are even, you know, bathing out. And, and so he goes to these rivers and all these people are coming. And John, listen, he had one message. One message, three points, never changed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine me preaching one message with three points that never changed? 52 weeks a year? <laughs> one message. That's all he had. One simple message. This is how it would go. He would come up and say, hey, good morning, church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know how he talks. Praise the Lord, maybe. He says, okay, I got a message for you today. It's the same message I had last week. So if you got your tablets, go and get this out and take some notes right here. Point number one, repent. Go and write that down. Repent, it just means to turn. He says, stop going the way you're going and turn around. Repent. Point number two, write this down. Turn back to God. Point number one, repent. Point number two, turn back to God. Don't just turn to anything. Don't just turn to something that's going to make you happy. Don't just turn to otherworldly things. Repent and turn back to God, which leads me to my third point, get baptized. He kind of has a southern slang to draw to him. <laughs> Repent, turn to God, and be baptized, right? That's his three points. This, this word baptize, it, it, it's the word baptizo. Go ahead and say that. Baptizo. It's a good word. It's a good word. It, this word, it means to submerge. It means to plunge. It means to immerse. It means to wash with water. And so listen, it was a cultural word before it was a spiritual word. You with me on that? And so imagine all these people down on the river, they're getting water, they're washing their clothes or dishes or their bodies or whatever, and John gets into the water about waist deep, and he delivers his three-point message, repent, turn to God, baptizo. And so everyone's like, wash? That's what I'm doing. I wish you'd shut up. I'd get some privacy over here. Repent, turn to God, be baptized. Some of them, they would hear it, but then we'd get a revelation, and a revelation just simply means an unveiled truth. It's like, it's like John, he wasn't talking about washing something, but rather being washed of something. And some people, when they heard it, they begin to identify what, with what John was saying. Turn, come back to God. Turn, come back to God, and be washed for the forgiveness of sins. Be washed. Listen, what identified those who understood and believed was a coming to the water and being baptized. And for some of you, when I tell you, listen, come back to God, be washed. Some of you, that, that like resonates within your heart. 
Imagine the people who are at the river, like, like they're doing their daily chores and they're looking over and they're like, hey, 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 isn't that Joey, your neighbor? Hey, isn't that, isn't that Sheila? Doesn't she work in accounting? Hey, hey, isn't that Clarence that delivered the milkman? Who, listen, when you have this grace this repentance, this, this turning back to God, this coming to be baptized. Listen, it's going public and you don't care who sees you. It's an identifying factor with Jesus Christ and saying, hey, I'm going in. I'm being washed. I don't care who's here. I don't care who sees me. I don't care what happens. Baptism is going public with what you believe. And it doesn't matter if you've been coming here for years if you've been in church for decades or if this is your first time, baptism is going public with Jesus in my place. I'm coming to be washed and raised to a new life. Baptism is about receiving the grace of God because we've all fallen short. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Christ was buried and Christ was raised, offering grace to those who would come and receive it by faith. Into eternity, he wants to wash away the debt that stands against you. It's what Paul says, hey, hey, when I, when I come, it's, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's like he's saying, hey, I'm broken but believing. Broken but believing. Look, look in verse 4. Now John wore garments of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honeys. That's Thanksgiving right there, y'all. <laughs> Verse 5, then, Jeru- then uh, Jerusalem, all in Judea, and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Some of you, it's time for you to go public. <laughs> it's time for you to come forward and, and make this identity with Christ. Verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, by the way, Pharisees and Sadducees, they're the religious leaders of the day. They're the ones who run the temple and the church and stuff like that. When he sees them coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, bear fruit. Everyone say bear fruit. You know what that means? Be about that action. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourself, don't just be about talking, be about that action. Don't just simply say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Listen, some of you, you're here today and all you've ever done is identified with religion. Hear me. All you've ever done is say, oh yeah, I went to church. Oh yeah, I go to church. Oh yeah, I'm involved with this program. Oh yeah, my family, when I was young, I went to every church. I went to Sunday school. I did all those stuff. 
oh yeah, when I was a child, my parents, we did this, and I did this, and I grew up, and I did some things, and, and so, so I must be good to go. John makes it clear that this baptism of repentance is raising up a new type of people with a new identity. This is not the identity that is based on works or religion so that no man can boast. He's he's proclaiming this identity is not based on what you've done or what you do, but rather a repentant heart coming by faith. This is why in verse 9 he says, don't say to yourselves that we have our father Abraham. Don't say to yourselves uh, that, that we have this inheritance about us. What he means by that is it doesn't mean, listen, it means that there is no salvation, there is no security in religious lineage, religious upbringing, religious actions. There is no salvation in your works. Don't say that you've done some things because what you need is to receive. Receive the grace of God. He says, God can make saints out of the rocks if he wanted to. What you need is to repent and be baptized. So this new people of God is being gathered and identified with Christ's death, with Christ's resurrection, and they're being marked by repentance. These people are not like the Pharisees. They're not depending on their works. They don't stand up here and say, hey, I was a good guy. They say, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need to be washed. John is saying the Bible is clear. We all need to be counted righteous and because none of us are righteous. We need a new identity, and we need to come and identify with Christ. Now imagine, John, at the end of the day, gathering with his boys. He's like, oh, this was a good day, wasn't it? Woo. Look at all these people coming. I had three strong points today, didn't I? Powerful message, John, yeah. Hey, it was a good day, but I, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's someone coming. Oh, boy, he's coming. And he is greater. He is mightier, so much mightier than I am. He's coming. I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. But look, at, look at what it says. It says, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he was coming after me. Oh, he's mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. I will baptize you. Uh, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Imagine, John's there and he's like, oh, this was a good day. Look, at, uh, there's someone coming. And then all of a sudden, he walks up He's talking to his boys. Oh, man, there is one coming. And Jesus walks up, and he's like, hey, John, I'm Jesus. I know who you are. I'm here to be baptized by you. Look, look Look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, no, no, no. I need to be baptized by you. And do you? Come to me. In other words, listen, Jesus comes up and he's like, hey, John, um, I I need to be baptized by you. And he's like, 
Get out of here. No way, man. No, like then no way. I, I actually need to be, no, I'm not doing that. And, and it says that he would have prevented him. But, but look at what Jesus says because Jesus has one sentence answer. John makes it clear. Listen, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. Jesus has never sinned. Jesus has never fallen short. Jesus has no need to repent. Jesus had no need to confess of sins. So why are you here? Look at what he says. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't understand. You're, you're sinless. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting. Everyone say, it is fitting. It is fitting, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It is fitting. That's why he's doing it. What's fitting? Fulfilling all righteousness. Jesus' life is the fulfillment of all righteousness. And so Jesus participates in a baptism of repentance even though he had no sins to repent of. Isn't that amazing? Jesus shows that the righteousness that he wanted to fulfill is not the righteousness required of himself, but for all sinners everywhere in all nations, in all tribes, in all tongues. Come, take my righteousness upon you. It is fitting. Let me close with this. Baptism, it's a defining moment. It's a defining moment. You see, when the gospel... The good news of Jesus in my place hits your heart and you realize you need a savior. And listen, you're not the savior. The church is not the savior. Religious works is not the savior. And you begin to understand that Jesus is the only savior and you begin to confess your need for Jesus as your savior. Something inside of you goes, I need to identify with that. I need to identify and I need to be baptized. Listen, it happened to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. Remember the story? God spares his life. He goes back to his whole family and says, we're following Jesus now. Let's go. Let's get baptized. It happened to the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8. Philip led him to the Lord. And he's like, hey, what's preventing me from being baptized? There's a puddle over there. Stop the carriage. Let's do this thing. It happened to thousands of people in Acts chapter 2 where they were cut to the heart after hearing the gospel and they say, what should we do? And they said, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized. Be filled with the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for those who are far off. It happened at the Jordan on that day when God allows you understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and you identify that by faith through grace, what follows is a defining moment. And we say, yes, it is fitting that I come and I give my life to Jesus and I be washed of my sin. I be raised to a new life. It is fitting. And so today, my call to you is to be about that action. That's what I'm saying. Listen, as the band comes, I'm just going to close with two verses here. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. He says, do you not know that all of us who has been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a new life. 
Just as Christ was buried and was raised, we too are buried and raised to walk in a new life. This is a call to life. I'm not asking you to just simply do church or go through the most. I'm talking to you about understanding that this is a call of repentance and identifying yourself with Jesus Christ and being raised to a new life. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27, it says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. How do you become a son of God? Through faith. How do you become a daughter of God? Through faith. Don't you see it's through faith that you are called sons of God? For many of you, as we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Everyone say, put on Christ. Listen, when you get baptized, you don't just get wet. You get new clothes. You put on Christ. You put on his righteousness. When you get baptized, you come by grace through faith. You come and proclaim, I'm being buried with Christ and I'm being raised to a new life. And today, I'm proclaiming I'm going to be clothed with righteousness through faith. It's so simple, yet so powerful. And so I'm going to ask every one of you here today to just simply right where you are, just close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm just going to give you a moment to yourself. Just a moment to yourself. I'm going to ask you right now. I'm not asking you about works. I'm not asking you about church history. I'm not asking you what you know or what you don't know. I'm asking you right now what you believe. Ask yourself right where you sit, what do I believe? Have I truly trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Have I truly trusted his life, his death, his resurrection for me that is being offered? Have I truly received that by faith or have I been trying to earn it? Today, take a moment. Ask yourself, do I believe? Have I identified with Jesus Christ in my place? Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to simply pray with me. You can... You can pray out loud, you can pray under your voice, you can whisper, however you want to do it. But right now, I'd ask if you believe that right now, you would just simply ask Jesus to forgive you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord, today, I am broken, but I am believing Today I confess that I need a Savior. And today I confess that nothing will save me other than you, Jesus. And so today I am receiving you by faith in my place. 
I am coming with nothing to offer and nothing to boast. But today, Jesus, I'm asking you to wash me. Pure as white as snow. A righteousness that I cannot attain. I'm trusting in your death and resurrection for me. Jesus, forgive me. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.